0: The game is over when the horn sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 chance.
1: To Fogle, we'll get it around on the left side to Eckholm. We're tied at one. We're in the second. Long pass to McDavid. The breakaway.
0: Scores!
2: Connor McDavid gets a long pass from Matias Eckholm. That was a beauty on a night with a lot of ugly. But it is a win. That was the game-winning goal. Connor McDavid early in the second period. The Oilers have won eight straight. They're 21-15-1. 2-1 in Chicago tonight. Dreisaitl had the other Oilers goal. Dickinson for- scored for Chicago. The shots on goal in this game, 26-15 in favor of the Blackhawks. The Oilers... Did not do much at times. Kind of an ugly win for them this evening, but they do figure it out against a very injury-depleted and struggling Chicago club. So now the Oilers on Thursday will try to tie the club record for consecutive victories when they play Detroit. They will have to play better than they did tonight. No doubt about that. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown for Hartland Ford overtime open line. Well, Rob, we said before the game, if, if the Oilers worked at Chicago's level... Uh, they would win because they have more skill. I don't think they did work at Chicago's level, nope, but nope. they still won because they they had they they have more skill. I just want to give a couple uh, stats here. First of all, so the Oilers the last time they had fewer than 20 shots in a game, uh, they only had 15 tonight. Was uh, January 1st, 2022? They had 19 in a 3-2 loss to the Islanders. The last time. They won a game when having 15 or fewer shots on goal. You have to go back almost 11 years. February 10th, 2013, they were outshot 40 14 to beat Columbus 3 1 with Dubnik making 39 saves. So they, they win it. Uh, they, they, they win it, but it's not how they've been playing most of the time.
3: No, and usually in, in wins like that, it's on the back of your goaltending and tonight was no different. Uh, Stuart Skinner was, by and large, their best player. I'm shocked they showed the stars of the game tonight. Uh, Skinner wasn't one when, I mean, he was the best player in the game, uh, let alone on the Oilers. He is the reason the Oilers got two points tonight. Uh, We're gonna hear from some of the players tonight. I'm sure one or two of them will mention that this was not the effort that we uh, have seen as of late from the Oilers. Uh, Every once in a while you have a bad game. The Oilers. Did not play well tonight. They lacked energy. They lacked intensity. Uh, they lacked uh, d- attention to detail. Uh, the one thing they, well, they had two things going for them, Reed. One, Stuart Skinner was excellent. Two, they were playing a Chicago Blackhawk team that, uh, when healthy, is probably going to finish dead last in the league and this is not a healthy team they're missing eight nine players so those are the two things going for them the team they played against and the fact that their tender had a wonderful night
2: Yeah, Skinner's going to be our fourth star for Jandell Homes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. The three stars officially from NHL.com, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Dickinson. So they just picked the three goal scorers (laughs) in the rink. But Skinner stopped 25 out of 26. He made some difficult saves. Yes, Chicago definitely missed some good scoring chances, Mm -hmm. but that's the difference in... In talents I'm, I'm talking about is the orders. Yep. two big guys, got the goals, and, and Chicago's lineup wasn't able to muster another one. But what I liked about Skinner, it wasn't just a couple of the really good saves he made. I mean, the orders didn't really have it under control in the third nope. period, but he was calm cleaning up shots, snaring pucks to get a face off and slow it down a little bit. He, he was very, very comfortable tonight, I thought, we, on a team that that didn't that
3: his teammates didn't look no, comfortable. No, you're right. And in a game, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on Skinner because the team in front of him's not playing very well. It's a one-goal game. The entire night was was always within one. And as you get into the third period, and it's a, a game where if the Oilers lose, it's a huge upset. So the pressure was all on Stuart Skinner. And, yeah, he did look calm. He looked very confident in there. Uh, he was the difference. He made big saves when he had to. And the, the difficulty uh, on a number of the saves was high. Uh, the, the Oilers got lost in their own zone. Um, uh, there had to have been seven or eight odd man rushes during the game. Got caught looking at the puck, uh, and Skinner each time was there for them. So uh, it's one where, uh, as a coach, you're excited about the two points, but you're more excited about the fact that you've got a lot of video to help your team get better because there were a lot of things that the Oilers did not do good in this hockey game tonight, yet were able to somehow squeak out with a 2-1 victory. They got a shot, what was it, 21-7 to after the first period, something along that, yep. uh, against a team missing all of their best players. Having said that, there is one player tonight stood out for for the Chicago Blackhawks. That uh, Dickinson, yeah, Jason, he is a nice hockey player, a very good hockey player. He might have been the best forward in this game. Uh, so, I, so there, there tonight the the two players stood out: Jason Dickinson and Stuart Skinner in a game that um, was uh, the the entertainment value was there. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think it was probably more. Had the intensity of an exhibition game and certainly the sloppiness of an early exhibition game that the Oilers, because they have the two highest skilled players in the yeah. league, were able to come away with two points.
2: Well, I thought that was some of the worst passing I've seen in an NHL game, both teams, yeah, uh, in a long time. And and you know, sometimes when we're watching a game together, even when we're not on air, I'll say something like, oh, man, can't complete a pass. Or they're they're crisp tonight. Just even short pass is efficient. And everybody, for McDavid and Mm -hmm. and good guys, I mean, uh, when Chicago had pressure late in the game, they cleared the zone for Edmonton with a pass uh, early in the game. I think it was Bouchard threw a diagonal pass to, to nobody got picked off by Chicago. McDavid threw a pass through the neutral zone. We're not sure where was we, it was. we know McDavid can see things. No other player can see. So it it was everywhere. And then late in the game. He, okay. Hyman missed an empty netter that he scores nine hundred ninety eight times out of a thousand. Yep. Um, Nuge couldn't chip the puck out. McDavid couldn't chip the puck out. One of them, again, I think shot it right into a Chicago uh, Chicago guy's belly. There Tried, was sh- like, just no
3: execution. Well, there was one shift, and you were talking, you had just talked about it off air with me. He said, you know, neither team can make a pass. And there was a stretch of seven players. It went, Oilers gave it away, Hawks gave it away, Oilers gave it away. Like seven passes in a row where the team missed their own teammate. You're like, Okay, wait a second. Like, what are we watching here? Um, it it was—you felt it sometimes. Okay, did someone forget to freeze the ice, or is the puck not frozen? Because this is not what we've seen as of late from the Oilers. Because the Oilers have been very good uh, for a long stretch now. Uh, tonight was the, their bump in the road. All teams have them. Uh, it's way more fun when you have it and you somehow find a way to get two points. Because I know that you're standing watch. A lot of the teams in the Western Conference won hockey games tonight. Teams that the Oilers are trying to stay ahead of or catch up to. Uh, But bottom line, the Oilers were not good. Their goaltender was good. And they were just good enough as a team to get two points. 2-1
2: win in Chicago. Now, having said all that... There, was there were f- <laughs> other goal- <laughs> There were other pucks that went into the net. They weren't goals. So, and this really could have changed the game because maybe if this goal counts, who knows, maybe yep. it does wind up 6-2. Uh, shot from the line. Was it McDavid that took
3: the shot? I believe it was McDavid, uh, a one-timer. Yes. Uh,
2: shot from the line. It goes in, and the referee immediately waved it off and says Hyman is guilty of goaltender interference.
3: And I was perfectly fine with the ref doing that because the goalie moved. And he's looking at it quickly. You can you can wave it off, and then you can go watch video replay, which they did do. And you and I watched the replay, and it was close. And I thought, in my if I'm coaching, if I'm Chris Knobloch, I am asking for a review be, for a few reasons. One, it was so close that it could have been overturned because it. I thought it was a good goal, but it was tight. Two. your penalty killing unit has been very good as of late. And you're sending confidence to that unit and say, you know what, we're gonna challenge this because I believe in you guys. If we're wrong, we will kill off the penalty. And three, this is a Chicago Blackhawk team who every player on their power play is not in the lineup tonight. There's no Hall, there's no Perry, there's no Bedard, there's no Jones. None of them are playing. So this is a power play that doesn't scare you. So for that, those three reasons, I'm Chris Knoblock. I would have challenged that call. I don't know which way it would have went, but it, it was very, very close, and I personally thought it should have been a goal. And
2: then early in the third period, the Oilers killed off a penalty. So they have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Hyman on the ice together. Dreisaitl controls a bouncing puck down the right wing at the Chicago Blue Line, gets it to McDavid, who puts it across to McDavid, who then feeds it back, To the right, to Hyman, who chops in what we thought was his 26th of the season. Chicago challenges that for offside. Lengthy review, and it is overturned. Very tight at the line for Mm -hmm. a couple of reasons, Rob.
3: Well, it's funny. Anyone that was watching the game, Louis Louis DeBrasco, our buddy, was adamant that... It was not offside. The Heath didn't think Leon Dreisaitl's foot was offside. I disagreed with that. I believe, watching the video, Leon's foot was in before the puck. And I saw we saw a bunch of a- angles. Having said that, I also believe that even though Leon's foot was in first, I felt that he had control of the puck when he brought it over. So you can skate backwards. I can skate backwards into the zone. F- two seconds before the puck comes in as long as I've got control of the puck. And on that play right there when we watched the video, even though Leon was across the blue line before the puck, the puck, in my thought, was still on his stick, which to me means it's a legal play that it's not offside, it's onside. I thought that goal should have counted. Not for the reason Louis said on TV. I disagreed with him on, on that. But I agreed with him for the fact that I, be- I believe that should have been a goal. So the first one could have gone either way. The second one, I do believe, was a goal, and I think the Edmonton Oilers uh, were unfortunate on the way the call went on that one because, to me, that looked like a good goal. Yeah, I,
2: I actually thought after they kept talking about it, talking about it, it was going to stand just because they would say, well, it's inconclusive. Mm-hmm. We've looked at it for four or five minutes, and we still can't make up our minds. So... Maybe those goals should have counted. Maybe it should have been a 3 or 4-1 win for Edmonton. Maybe. I think even with those maybes, we'd be a little underwhelmed with some of the work. <laughs> the Oilers, uh, did. it was it was funny. drysettle was able to control that bouncing puck and make a really nice play out of it. But yeah. the Oilers often couldn't control pucks that, that weren't bouncing and make good passes or plays with them. But it is an eighth straight win for the Edmonton Oilers. Let's go at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Named one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a Call 780-250-HELP or visit Eclipse247.ca. It's head coach Chris Knoblock.
4: You lived it on the bench, but what did you kind of make of the way the team fought through whatever they had to get through in order to get another win? Yeah, no, I think we were just just good enough to get the win, and, and definitely wasn't our best game. I wasn't um, a castle by any means, but uh, you know, those sometimes you um, have to gut those out. We certainly we've lost games that uh, I felt like we should have won, and tonight, um, you know, I think Skins was outstanding. I think he really saved us and um, played really well, came with some big saves, and um, especially late in the game. Uh, but we know we needed to get better than that, so we'll take our two points move on as you uh, as everyone kind of waits for the reviews particularly on the Leon dry settle call do you feel like you have an idea of what the call will be or what you you think it should be or what goes through the process as you Um, await it to happen well it's it's tough Uh, we at coaches we get about 30 seconds to decide if it's a good goal or not and I'm not sure how long they they get to decide Um, so we're at a little bit of a disadvantage but you know, I'm not going to argue with the, the outcome of either one of those. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it was a tough one, but, um, you know, I'm sure they, they felt they got the right call.
0: As a coach, when your team, you know, you only get 15 shots on goal, you have some adversity, couple goals come back. The other team's a pesky group, they're pushing you. Does it, even though it maybe doesn't look so great, is this a good win in its own way?
4: They're all good wins. Anytime you get two points, especially this time of year, it's an 82 game schedule. It's hard to get up and play beautifully all every game. You know, I'd be a little concerned if we hadn't been playing very well and. Um the previous three or four games, um, I don't think that's the case tonight. I don't think we've played very well, but a lot of credit should be given to the, uh, the Blackhawks. I thought they played really well, didn't give us much room, didn't make any mistakes, make sure to get pucks in, they forechecked us hard. Um, they made it really difficult for us, and there's some things we could have did better to alleviate that, but um, it's not always just about us. I think the uh, Chicago played a really good game.
2: Well, they did. Uh, you got to give the Hawks mm-hmm. credit, given what they had. I mean, I mean, really, they they lacked high-end finish. I mean, the, the dry-saddle goal, he was in behind the defense, but he sort of had to f- dig that out of his that skates a, nice a little play. bit and, and shoot it. And McDavid is McDavid gets it. Well, an Ekholm, great pass yes, as well. Yes, 100%. So, and in Chicago, they had some open looks, and... Uh, Skinner stymied them, and then, quite frankly, they missed the net three or four times well, on great A chance. I
3: think it was Rem Pitlick who's playing his he first has, he's game. He's the one that hit the post. Why, and like he had the wide open net, like completely wide open net with time and space, and he put one off the post. Again, uh, it's a team that lacks a ton of skill up front because of the players they're missing, uh, but you can't fault their work ethic. Uh, they did work hard, and they made it hard for them. I mean, they. I mean, the others have been the best team in hockey now for about a month and a half, six weeks. They held the best team in hockey to 15 shots. I mean, that's, that's quite impressive with the lineup they have. So give them credit. I, I would think in their dressing room right now, their coach would be excited with the way they play, but vastly disappointed in the result. They probably deserved a much better result than they got.
2: 2-1, the Oilers take it. Hey, uh, Rob, I've uh, consulted the NHL rulebook. <laughs> so, because I wanted to get the exact wording on that possession yep. with putting, not putting yourself offside. So it says, a player controlling the puck who shall cross the line ahead of the puck shall, be, shall not be considered offside provided he had possession and control of the puck prior to his skates crossing the blue line. So I think that you can't have your feet in an offside position, touch the puck in the neutral zone, and then drag it in.
3: No, but I still believe he had, before his second skate crossed the line, he had control of the puck on his stick. That's, I understand that rule, and I 100 okay. percent. Because if if he has both his feet inside the line, and someone passes up to him, and he gets it on the outside of the line, I know that's offside. But I believe that before his, because it would be his. I think it's his right toe. Before his right toe passed the final part of the blue line, the puck was on his stick. That's why I thought it was an onside because he did okay. have he did have the puck on his stick. So I'm like. To me, it looks like it's on. I
2: thought, and that's how close, like it was close. I I thought maybe he didn't actually have possession until his other foot was across.
3: Well, that's that's what I was looking for. Yeah, because I know it was pretty close. It, I mean, it was very close, and it was uh, again. This, it, it. Here's what, and I know, and I like Chris Knoblock when when he talks. You know what? Uh, They said it wasn't goals, and uh, we're fine with that the problem is on a play like that especially the dry subtle one to me it looked it looked like it was a goal and it didn't matter in a game game 38 or whatever we are against the Chicago Blackhawks but it would matter in game oh. 1 of a Stanley Cup playoff game and that's why I'm like okay i i, I, I to me it looked like it was a good goal and it, it who cares it's right now, but it, we might care if it's later. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, okay, I, I don't completely understand. Now, this is, again, I wish the NHL, and we've had this talk with John Shannon, I wish the NHL would allow on moments where there's uh, – the re, you can ask for the referees. I, we'd like to have the referees for 15 minutes tonight and ask questions as media. Because I think, A, if you start seeing – a personality with a referee maybe people won't be as mean to referees uh, when you talk about fans maybe all of a sudden you realize oh my god that guy's a really nice guy i heard him talking after the game i want to hear more of him but also you hear what's going through his mind here's what i saw and if he explains to me what he saw then we're not going to second guess him here because okay okay now i see why you're telling me or why you made that call whether I agree with it or not, now I can see your thought process on it. So that's why I wish the NHL would do that. Having said that, John Shannon said there's zero chance. Yeah. Something like hell freezing over. Well, Gary himself over. Has yeah. told me there's yeah.
2: zero chance. Um, a couple things about that play, and, and I've said this before, most of the offside challenges prove how good the lines went. 100%. Up. I realized the yep. reason they changed that rule was, it was a,
3: I think it, it was, was a, it was a, it was a terrible like they, it, was a, it was a Pittsburgh uh, Penguin game, yeah, and the, the guy the was... The guy screwed
2: up. Yep. But they, like, to me... At full speed, no one's, nope. nobody, no casual observers thinking, oh, that was offside. And here's another point, and maybe I'm being a little just hypothetical and argumentative here. So Chicago challenges that. Yep. If that's in overtime in a playoff game, there's no coach's challenge. Does the league initiate a review on a play that like that? Would they even think? Okay, we should look at that, and let's make everybody <laughs> wait five minutes after a team celebrated an overtime win. I well, don't know. I don't know they're supposed to. They're
3: supposed to. Although, just recently, we I, we saw. Well, it was the shootout one where the team thought they'd won a shootout, and all of a sudden the league wasn't the Calgary-Toronto Maple Leaf game.
2: That was Leafs. Least Florida. Who are they playing? They were Florida, least Florida. Yeah,
3: because yeah. uh, yeah, it was Paul Maurice on the bench. He did not have kind words to the referee. So they did do it. But uh, yeah, I, I go back to my, my replay thing would be this. A referee gets pick at get 30 seconds or 45 seconds, whatever you want. He's got 30 seconds. He has to watch it in real time. In real time, if he can tell he made a mistake or mistake was made, you can overturn it. But if it's that close that in, if you watch it in real time and you can't see, what you've missed then to me it's too close and just let it stand I think coaches would have
2: to also only be allowed to watch their reviews their their video in real time. Well,
3: then I'm fine with that. I watch it in real time. <laughs> if you can't tell in real time, then all right, you know what? It's it's If it's a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of an inch, well, then let's let it play because it really had no bearing on the play.
2: Oilers do win 2-1 despite a couple of disallowed goals that were close. They did not play great. They were outshot 26-15 by Chicago, but they have won. Eight in a row. It's a $200 donation to 630 Ched Santas Anonymous from James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. They are giving 100 bucks to Santas every time the Oilers score. You can get us at 780-496-0063. That is the hotline powered by Teed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Teed Pro all the way. You're going to hear from McDavid, from Brett Kulak, and we'll get to your reaction as well. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
0: Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line, on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 Chance To the middle,
1: to Donato, he'll let it go, and wide of the net, on the right wing point, Murphy keeping it in, and Murphy, it's shot, and it's saved by Skinner, rebound, and the oh, coming across, Skinner got a pace, and it's cleared out and down the ice by Eckholm.
2: Save of the game called by Cam Moon. Stuart Skinner, great work tonight, courtesy Crystal Glass. Call 310 Glass or visit crystalglass.ca. Skinner, very good. 25 saves and a 2 1 Oilers win. The rest of the Oilers, eh. <laughs> <laughs> they, they scored enough. <laughs> they only needed two. They got two. Well,
3: yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess at the end of the night, you say we got two points.
2: Yeah. the Oilers win. So it is eight straight wins. They are 21-15-1. We'll do the full scoreboard uh, after the 10 o'clock news. But Seattle's won seven straight. So they've turned it around. right there with the uh, Oilers. And uh, like you said, Rob, a third place in the Pacific is in sight. Uh, the Oilers, four points behind the Kings, who should have got two points tonight, only got one.
3: Yeah, it's a couple games on this road trip where they've led late in games and ended up losing. A couple games ago, I think it was against the Capitals, they ended up losing in regulation with 10 seconds left, getting no points. Tonight they led 2 nothing late in the game against Tampa, lost in overtime. Uh, it's funny, there was... A lot written and talked about on social media and in media that the Oilers' only chance of making the playoffs, they would be lucky to get a wild card. They There was talk that there was zero chance that they could catch teams in the Pacific Division. Uh, they, they are there. They have an opportunity. Uh, the Oilers went through a stretch that was terrible at the beginning of the season. All teams have tough stretches. Injuries are going to hit. Injuries are hitting the, the Golden Knights badly right now. They're struggling. They've lost. Their number one goalie's been out for a while. The Oilers just got to continue putting wins together. This is the month to do it. It gets harder. I looked at January's schedule hard. I looked at, excuse me, easy. I looked at February schedule hard. So you want to get a bunch of points in the bank before you start playing a much harder schedule by games-wise and by competition-wise.
2: We'll go to the Certainty hotline. We have Alex standing by. Hey, Alex, go ahead. Go ahead. Hey guys hello well can you hear me yes we can
5: yeah what a game that was hard to watch <laughs> that's for sure it was uh, teetering on disaster all night I uh, I only swore about 20 times in the uh, in the living room I had to leave the living room a number of times I even the last couple of minutes, they just kept on giving the puck away. They couldn't get out of the blue line and what the goalie pulled, and if it wasn't for Skinner, we could be talking about a funeral march here or a wake. I don't know, but uh, (laughs) that was tough. I really love listening to you guys. You brought up some stuff uh, about the refing, and uh, I remember back in the day when, you know, like Bruce Hood and uh, Fraser, Kerry Fraser and Val Helleman, you know, they were recognizable. They had their their uh, last name on their back, and even Finn and D'Amico as linesmen, and there seem to be, of course, a lot of these refs didn't even wear helmets on linesmen, but uh, when was that? About 20 years ago now? Did they, they strip the uh, names off the back of their sweaters? Oh, it's,
3: it's, it's been a while, it's yeah. It's been like Honestly, I can't remember the last time I saw any. I mean, you're right, because we used to know every ref's name. Like, you knew oh. them. You're, I mean, you're naming refs that were, play, that were reffing 30, 40 years ago. I couldn't tell you more than three guys... Names at all in the National Hockey League, ref and, uh, they and a lot of them, ha- they were colorful. They had personality. Uh, you don't see that anymore, which is too oh, bad.
5: Sure. And and do you remember the Koharski and uh, Sean?
3: Yeah, I have another donut.
5: <laughs> I have one more, just like one question. What do you think about Gagne getting back in the lineup? But that bottom stick seems a little stale. And uh, I'll leave you with that. And uh, thanks for the show, guys.
3: A uh, good question about Gagne. thinking um, up because the lineup was playing so well in winning. Uh, They weren't as good tonight. And I'm just looking at, he would come in for Adam Ernie. Ernie tonight played six minutes. Uh, Hamlin tonight played five minutes. Uh, Personally, they're going to Detroit. Gagne has played in Detroit. Although Adam Ernie has too, hasn't he, I believe. Um, uh, Yeah, if he's fully ready and healthy to play, I got no problem putting him in the lineup. But I guess it's up to the coach whether or not he wants to break up. I mean, they have one eight straight read. I'm not sure how important a fourth line winger coming in or out is when you have an eight-game winning streak. I think we're coming
2: up on, I don't know why I can't find the exact year. I think we're coming up on 30 years since the... Well, it would have been, I I thought it would have been in the 80s. No, it was still, it's been since Bettman took over. And remember the refs had that uh, strike Mid-90s, I want to say. I think that was part of Bettman's thing. Okay. You don't uh, part of his little slap to the refs for going on strike, I think.
3: I don't know why. I was playing when it happened. That's all I remember. But that was a long okay, time. well, that was probably that was the was a 90s. Because you played more
2: in the 90s than you did in the 80s. Uh, we'll, we'll try to figure that out. Uh, we'll get to more of your phone calls. seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can let us know what you think about
3: the offside or the goalie interference. 1988. It was May 6, 1988.
2: That's no sense. That's in the middle of the playoffs.
0: Live, Oilers Hockey is brought to you by the
2: Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers.
0: This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 6.30 chance. Now to McLeod and over the line across to Dreisato
2: scores! Leon Dreisato! Gets it by Marazic, and this game's tied at 1. Oilers beat Chicago 2-1 for the second time this season. They have won eight consecutive games. The Oilers have also won their last six road games. Drive and McDavid with the goals. Dickinson scored earlier for Chicago. All right, so I was trying <laughs> to find when the refs stopped having their names on their jerseys. It was 1994. But mm-hmm. you actually were talking about something else.
3: I was talking about when Sean Feld went after Koharski, and that was May 6, 1988. Right,
2: when, so. you, when you said that, I was thinking, that's a very exact date and an odd time of year <laughs> for them to take.
3: Well, you're looking at me, I, it's, it's the same look that I get from my son sometimes when I say something. He just stares at me like, what? What are you talking about, Dad? And then right. I'm like, hey, wait a second, what am I talking about? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well let's just go with we're both right we both about we're right yes it's pretty exciting yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, well, that was about as exciting as the hockey game was tonight
2: yeah it was an interesting game it was exciting for perhaps all the wrong reasons yeah it was exciting because it was sloppy and it was close like yeah, yeah. it was close the entire game I mean Chicago had uh actually all th- all, all three of Chicago's power plays were then when they were down 2 one.
3: And they actually, they did create and get some... I mean, they had parts of their power play that looked good and parts of their power play that looked horrendous. Uh, they did create some good chances. Uh, then they actually took themselves out of chances by... I mean, the one time there was two guys two feet from the blue line and they stood inside, created an offside. They dumped the puck back into their own end a few times. But they did have a couple little flurries that Stuart Skinner was very good at getting in front of. Uh, again, for... Those that uh, worry about the Oilers' goaltending going forward, Stuart Skinner continues to uh, make his mark and uh, show Holland and the the management staff here that they made the right decision thus far by not making any goaltending moves. Uh, he was excellent tonight and a reason the Oilers got two points. So
2: the Hawks 0 for 3 Oilers 0 for 1 with the man advantage, the power play update provided by Conlin Motorsports. They'll help get you out there. Visit one of Conlin Motorsports four locations across Alberta or online, ConlonMotorsports.ca. 780-496-0063 is the certainty hotline We have Sir Robert standing by. Sir Robert, go ahead
1: oh, Hey guys, how you doing? Good
2: Well,
1: obviously I've got a couple thoughts, so. First of all, I'm gonna start with the uh, 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 the goalie interference. Uh, honestly, I that uh, I mean, honestly, I was not happy with that call. I thought that should have been a goal. I just it looked to me more like uh, I look like Mrazek initiated the contact with Hyman. That's just my opinion. As for the uh, 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 the offside, I think you know, at live speed they missed it. Based on the replays. And as they were saying on the TV, to me it looked, to me it looked far too close to over to uh, uh, overturn it. That should have been a goal. I don't agree with either either call. And uh, I guess, uh, guess I would say for the game as a whole, the Oilers were. I mean, the first period they were okay. The last two periods they were looked like they were virtually non-existent. I don't know if it was a combination of maybe maybe they were a bit tired. Maybe should, I don't think fatigue's uh, an issue. It shouldn't be. It's tired. not
3: tired. No, it shouldn't be no tired.
1: but no, but uh, I don't know. It was like uh, maybe they were. I don't know. Maybe they took. Uh, uh, I. I mean, you know maybe they took Chicago a little bit lighter than they should have. But I mean, Chicago really played well. I think the Oilers were. I would say fortunate to escape with the win. Skinner. I don't know if I would say stole the game, but he was. Uh, but he was certainly. More or less, the reason that they won the game, and I guess I'll just leave it at that.
2: All right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, the 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 review thing, um, you, know, you know, it's always going to be debate. I used to get all upset about the offside challenge. Now I'm just like, okay, whatever. It's part of the game. Like I said, it usually proves how good the linesmen are. Um, the, and as we watch that, Rob, it, it's supposed to be. 100% certain that you can mm-hmm. overturn the call. Otherwise, yeah. it stays what is on the ice or on the field as they have. Which is
3: the way it, it should but which be. Which is yeah. kind
2: of where I was starting to think maybe it's just too close for them mm-hmm. to, to rule it either way.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, I, I, thought, I thought that the skate was over first, but I thought Leon had control of it. So... To me, I, I, that was a goal. Uh, the other one, I was fine with the ref calling no goal on the goalie interference. I was fine with it because it looked like we got to remember they don't. They're seeing it from different angle, full speed. People, right. bodies going all over the place. That's why you have instant replay. To me, it wasn't what the ref did there. I would have, if I was Chris Knoblock, I would have challenged it and then let them look at it uh, with a replay. So, uh, I yeah. I, the first one I had no problem with. The second one, I thought that it was should have been a goal.
2: Oilers win it 2-1. Calgary wins 6-3 over Ottawa as we check the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals. Your one-stop stores for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Canucks beat the Islanders 5-2. Ducks win 5-3 in Nashville. Panthers are rolling as well. 5-1 win against the Blues. Coyotes beat the Bruins 4-3 in overtime. Jets they are looking very good. Hammer, the Blue Jackets, 5 nothing. Maple Leafs swamp the Sharks 7-1. The Lightning rally to beat the Kings 3-2 in overtime. And Seattle wins 5-2 against the Sabres. So I mentioned Seattle has won seven in a row. The Panthers, like the Oilers, have won eight in a row. They're just a game behind
3: And going Chicago. the opposite direction, what have the Sharks? Haven't they not lost a bunch in a row now again? 12. 12 in a row for the Sharks. Is that their second... Twelve game losing streak.
2: Well, they don't even have a have a point. I think when they had that winless streak, there was the an the overtime season, loss might have been or something. One yeah. or two overtime or shootout losses. So. so
3: twelve straight losses. It has been a that is going to be a long, long year for the San Jose Sharks and one of their players, Thomas Hurdle, who I think right now, not many people regret signing for eighty million dollars. <laughs> he might be regretting that in San Jose right now. All
2: right, we got Tom on the line as well. Then we'll get to some Connor McDavid uh, comments. Tom, go ahead.
5: Hey, guys. Uh, I was just wondering, did you think that Drysidle knew he was offside because he covered his mouth and he was talking to Hyman right after the goal was scored instead of celebrating?
3: Oh, geez, I don't know. I didn't, honestly, I didn't see that. I can I, – I, I do – a player knows very well where he is at all times, especially a guy like him. He will know. I, I do think his skates were in before the puck, so maybe he knew that. But I, st- I just think the puck was on his stick when he came across the line, so I thought it was a good goal. Uh, very well, he could have known that 100 percent, or thought, or, or thought they're going to look. They at might it. look at this. Although you could see the player's reaction on the bench. Hyman was pretty certain that that was going to be called a goal, and was quite frustrated when it was. I mean, I, we never saw a whole lot of replays on the the one, the goal interference one. I don't know if that hit Hyman. Like I know it was shot from the point. And it was called goalie interference. And I know they they had the graphic on the scoreboard tonight on the the TV that said zero goals or that point and two goals called back. Um, I mean, he could have had another two-goal game tonight adding to his total. Just the kind of season Zach Hyman's having that, well, he's always around the blue paint and putting the puck in the net. It's unfortunate tonight that... Uh, his quest for 50, I'm not sure he's got a quest, but for us fans cheering for him to get 50, uh, that would have been a little bit nicer having a couple more in the bank for him.
2: Yeah, that, that's a really good question by Tom. And we see, certainly if you watch football, you'll sometimes you'll see a receiver and it's called the catch and he's yelling, let's snap it, guys. Yes, Let's
3: go. Let's snap it. <laughs> Before the other team because, can see the replay. Because uh, he
2: knows. I don't know if an offside would be that obvious, especially at the pace hockey is is played at or you're not you know the play continues out and sometimes the goal goes in 20 30 seconds after yeah. the offside right so yeah uh all right let's go back to chicago Oilers win 2-1 you had the game winner tonight here's Connor mcdavid Connor, maybe describe the feeling uh, after coming out with two points after a game
3: like that
6: uh yeah obviously not our best um but give them credit they worked they clogged things up they played a solid game um Stu held us in, and I thought uh, we did just enough to get a win. Is tonight a showcase of the team's growth and their versatility? Because you guys won a tight checking game that you guys probably wanted to open the door on a little bit, but you guys were staying patient and let the plays come to you. Yeah, you know, I thought uh, we had a couple calls not go our way, um, you know, and I thought uh, we did a good job of just staying in it. Um, I know I've said that a lot lately, but, um, you know, we kind of just... found a way tonight um you know they're obviously banged up you know young lineup excited lineup you know those are sometimes the toughest games um to play you know they a little bit scrambly um a little bit all over the place and um you know i thought they
0: played really well for a team that that you guys had that
1: macar goal go
0: against you a mm-hmm. couple years ago do you have an opinion on the dry side of one that's all similar what did you think of that
6: i, I do i mean obviously if it takes you 15 minutes to to determine if it's offside or not um it it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, um, You know, I talked to the linesman after. Ultimately, it's not a, not their call, I guess. You know, obviously they said it came down from the league. But, you know, you zoom in, you zoom in, you keep zooming in until you can't zoom in anymore. And I guess it's offside. So, um, you know what, um, so these, these are calls that... Uh, you know, change games and ultimately it didn't go our way. You know, that was a big call. Um, it would have really, really hurt them. And, um, I thought it should have been onside. I mean, it's kind of possession too, right? Like the argument of possession, um, that whole debate can start again. Um, you know, it was such a close one. You'd like to see it. You know, I, I think the NHL uses the analogy dead wrong, right? They, you know, if it's, if it's dead wrong or something like that, I don't know what they say. Like they want it to be clear and obvious, right? Um, that one's certainly not clear and obvious. Fair.
5: Did you oh, yeah. go ahead? Kind of regard probably feels like at the end of the world, you know, as a rookie, and you, you sort of went through it as a rookie too. Is there anything you learned or any advice you can pass on to what, what he's kind of going
6: through? Yeah, it sucks. Um, it really sucks. Um, I've been in his shoes before. Um, you know, there's no other way to say other than, you know, it's it's a bad feeling, but, you know, things pass. He'll get healthy. He'll play you know, at the top of his level, you know, again, this year, you know. Um, you know, So just stick with it and be positive and be a good teammate and um, enjoy the, the the recovery process because it can be fun and it can be exciting, you know, to get healthy again.
0: Will you, is this a game that, I don't know if you guys always won this game, only 15 shots on Ned, a couple of goals come back, a frustrating, pesky opponent that kept
1: you. You yeah, I don't
0: know if you won this game all the time two, three years ago. What's
6: changed? Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know that narrative around our group obviously, um, you know, it seems to be that we can't play these tight checking games. But you know, we're a team that has won hundred games um, over the last two years, and you know, have won you know, 16 of our last 19 games. You know, we know how to win hockey games all sorts of different ways. So we hung in there. We, ha- we uh, played against a scrappy team, um, you know, a young team that's, you know, got uh, some real good players on it and um, found a way to win. That's ultimately what it is. Is
0: there a commonality between these two
6: eight-game winning streaks? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think you just get into a rhythm, right? Um, and you find ways to win games. You know, tonight's not our best, and we found a way. Um, you know, um, yeah, it's just kind of a rhythm that, uh, it's a feeling in the room, and and uh, you know, it feels good to uh, to put them together. We needed to, obviously, after our start.
2: All right. So that's Connor McDavid. Uh, any thoughts on what he said about the offside?
3: No, I mean, it goes to what we were talking about. I th- I thought Leon had. Uh, possession, and again, it it doesn't matter in Game 38 against the Chicago Blackhawks. Even if the game would have turned, and the Oilers don't get a point out of it, it's a Game 38 against the Chicago Blackhawks. But in a playoff game, where that could be uh, a goal in overtime that's turned away, and you lose the game because of it, uh, what he talked about possession to me, Leon Dreisettle had possession on his stick. I mean, it it was... He he carried the puck, he made the pass across, and it seemed like it was all seamless. And he talked about 15 or minutes, but it wasn't 15, but it was a long, long... It was probably four or five. Yeah, minimum. And, again, that goes to my... If you have to find it, if you have to... It's like, if I have to find the needle in the haystack, well, I guess the needle's not that important because it took me so long to find it. If over the course... Of, of watching it in a minute's time, you can't find it's not conclusive, it doesn't stand out. Well, then to me, it was insignificant, and that's where I'm with just run it in real time. And if in real time you can't see what was missed, because the one they missed to the start it all off was a guy was offside by 12 feet. In real time, you will see that. If it's a half of a quarter of an inch that's offside, to me, let it go. Um, so. I, I'm, uh, now, I'm on Connor McDavid's side of this one. Having said
2: this, this is the GMs and presidents and owners and coaches and players who ultimately formed the comp. This isn't the NHL nope. saying, okay, hockey world, well, we, I- know, we, we know you don't like this. But because, <laughs> I mean, I remember when this was put in, uh, we'll have to maybe ask John about it on uh, Thursday. I think that coaches said, Well, here's other examples of goals that would have wouldn't have counted. Yes, there was the obvious one, but here's one two inches. Shouldn't have counted. So No if, that's know, why it's, it's it's ultimately the, the, the teams who are well, oh, I this, agree. want this as part of the game. Oh,
3: I understand to me, but let's change the rule, let's make it that they have to watch it in real time. I mean, I, I think that every we should be allowed to have one day where we get to pick our own new rules guy for the NHL. <laughs> And in that day, that's the new rule. Because I mean, it, again, it was it was just so long, and you're sitting there like. And as Connor says, and this is the best player in the world saying, okay, if you're taking this long, yeah. really.
2: So I, the, the real time thing uh, I find interesting, and sometimes I feel like I agree with you, Rob. But then sometimes I feel like that defeats defeats the purpose of having instant replay because the beauty of it is is that you can slow it down. I mean, if there if it was a goal, did the puck cross the goal line or not? You you wouldn't want to say, "Well, only I'm, watch it in real time." I'm only time. talking the so
3: on this. Just, offside. So you limit it to offsides, not all video review. No, nope, yeah. just offside.
2: Like I, I know, I, sometimes I would get frustrated, especially in the NFL, where they do. Well, is it a catch? Well, was the ball moving? Well, if you slow it down, the, of course the ball's moving. Like a, a receiver, even when he has full control of the ball, it's never like pinned against his chest and not moving as he's running or getting tackled. You know what I mean? So, yes, it does lead to sometimes these over technicalities and over over analysis. But I, I just think you have to use video review wisely. So, I, I to me, I to me, I would say you can slow it down. But I'd also say if you can't tell within
3: 2 minutes it's inconclusive. To me even 2 minutes is too long. Cuz you think about it 2 minutes is that's watching it 19 times. Like I mean over and over and over like they're stopping it. Like on the ones that we saw like they're st- stopping it right on there. And even when you're stopping it, like, can you see? Was there? Was his foot over? Does he got the puck? Uh, yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it didn't come into play, but at some point and at, whether it's in an Oiler game or it's going to happen in a playoff game, a goal will be overturned or counted on a play similar to that. Uh, and one team will be ecstatic and the other team will be asking for replays to be completely thrown out of hockey.
2: George wins the $50 River Crew Resort and Casino gift card. He took the under for my 3 and a half goal margin of victory it was only one whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on 630 chetcom that allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village an afternoon celebration for the census visit jvedmonton.ca Oilers take it 2-1 it's Heartland Ford overtime open line
0: Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 chance.
2: Oilers beat the Blackhawks 2-1 for their eighth straight win. Here's defenseman Brett Kulak.
0: So tell us, uh, tell us about a game that that's, that's an ugly game, 15 shots on goal, only you know, two to one. It turned yeah. out to be a grinder. Yeah. These
6: are, um, you know, these are games we... We, we look forward to, I guess, coming in here, and it's a team you want to get the two points, and, you know, it, it was a weird one for sure. The atmosphere is a little different out there, and and every guy on their team plays hard, and they're all good players. It doesn't matter. You bring bring guys up, whatever, guys out of the lineup that you can still put together a good team. There's there's enough good players out there, and they uh, they played a good game, and, you know, we're happy to win the 2-1 game any, any way we can do it. We look, we look at some positives, and there's things, obviously,
1: we know we, we could be better. but.
2: That is a little bit from Brett Kulak as the Oilers, for the second time this season, have an eight-game winning streak. They are 21-15-1. Didn't play great tonight, beating Chicago 2-1. Skinner held the twenty-five saves. The Oilers had just 15 shots, the lowest they have had in a victory. Since February 10th of 2013, they were outshot 40-14 by Columbus. Dubnik stole the show in a 3-1 win. Our next game broadcast presented by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers is on Thursday, 3.30 face-off show game at 5 as they're in Detroit. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy tonight for his work behind the scenes. I'm Abba Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. With
0: threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial.